Hear the word of God as it is found in Acts, the second chapter. We begin to read at the 22nd verse, and this is part of what some have called an Easter sermon by Peter. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will dwell in hope. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let thy Holy One see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou wilt make me full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, I may say to you confidently of the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh seek corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make thy enemies a stool for thy feet. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Amen and amen. I didn't know quite what to expect when I went to see the movie, Oh God. I had heard your comments. Some of them were complimentary and some of them were quite critical. But I liked what I saw. And if you haven't seen it yet, I wholeheartedly recommend it to you if you are one of those individuals who has courageous sensitivity and is able to see your own inconsistencies in other people. 
For that movie is nothing more than another example of a proverbial problem that God has always had. God had it on that first Easter morn when Jesus Christ could not get people to recognize his presence in the resurrected form. Mary, Mary Magdalene. You realize there was probably not another woman in all of Scripture that knew Jesus as well. She loved him. She had listened to him. She should have known better. But when she came to the empty tomb and saw that the stone was rolled away, she stood there weeping, and Jesus said unto her, Woman, why dost thou weep? And John in his gospel said that she thought Jesus was the gardener. She didn't recognize Jesus in his resurrected form. Luke tells us later that afternoon the two men were walking on their way to Emmaus. They had been to Jerusalem to see Jesus, who they thought would be the one to redeem Israel. Instead, they saw Jesus die on Friday. And they were lamenting that experience and were very sorrowful as they were walking home, conversing. And Luke says that Jesus came and joined that little caravan. And he asked them what they were talking about and they didn't recognize Jesus. In fact, they thought he was a little stupid to ask such a silly question about an individual that they thought everybody knew about. They didn't know they were talking to the main character himself. Jesus talked more with them, and still they didn't understand him. Jesus took the Bible, the Scripture, and began with Moses and went through the prophets explaining how it was necessary that Jesus had to die. They still didn't recognize Jesus. It was not until he went in with them to eat, and he sat down, blessed the food, and in the breaking of the bread, Suddenly they recognized the resurrected Lord. They got up. They went back to Jerusalem. I think they probably ran. When they got there, they found the remaining disciples. And they said, we found Jesus. Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. And, and no longer had they gotten that message out. No sooner. Then Jesus came and stood in the midst of those two who were announcing the good news to the disciples. Now remember, this was to the disciples, those individuals who for three years, day and night, had spent time with Jesus, who had memorized his words, who had listened to him. And now on Easter afternoon or evening, Jesus was in their midst, but they did not recognize him. The Bible said they thought he was a spirit. Jesus said, look at me. They still did not recognize him. They still thought he was a spirit. He said, touch me. Touch my flesh, my bones. Spirits don't have flesh and bones. They still didn't believe him. He said, give me something to eat. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. He thought maybe that if they saw him digest something, they would think that he was alive and recognize him. 
At the end of that passage, we still don't know whether those disciples, who were very fearful, recognized Jesus. And you know, John, he tells us that Thomas, Thomas didn't recognize or believe Jesus in his resurrected form for eight days a week following the first Easter. Jesus was present, but they didn't recognize him. And the message that Jesus wants us to hear because he, he said it 40 days after Easter before his resurrection, or after his resurrection before his ascension, he said, Go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them. And then here's the point. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Lo, I am with you always. That's one of the living words of the resurrected Lord. But the disciples, those whom Jesus loved, he was in their midst and they didn't recognize him. And the message Jesus wants us to have at Easter is, is this. I am with you always, even when you do not recognize me. Paul caught that. That's why he gives us the hope of immortality and, and the message of Easter, which he says is that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing in life or in death that shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. That's the word of Easter. I am with you always, always in life and in death even when you do not recognize me. That's an important message, ladies and gentlemen, because many of us forget that. You'd be surprised the number of people I have to talk to who think God has forsaken them, who has left them, who doesn't care about them. I remember reading once about a man who received the tragic news that his Son, his only son, a teenage boy, was violently killed in a fiery automobile crash. And when he got that news, he was so distraught, he immediately headed for the pastor's home. He entered without proper introduction. He burst into the pastor's study. And he said, you talk about a God of love. You talk about our Father in heaven. I want to know, where was my, where was our Father when my son died? The pastor, without pausing for a moment, said he was the same place he was when his own son died. You and I had been there on Good Friday. I'm sure we would have agreed with the multitude that God was not working there in the cross. That God had forsaken Jesus. That God was not there. But you realize, ladies and gentlemen, if it had not been for Good Friday, you and I, we would not be here on this Easter Sunday. 
There would be no meaning for Christmas. Easter would have no glorious resurrection if it had not been for the fact that Jesus Christ knew the presence of God and that on Good Friday God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Oh, God was there. And God was working more there than maybe at any other time in life. But the disciples then, and if you and I had been there, we too would have said, we don't recognize God. Believe me, ladies and gentlemen, when you think God is not working in your life, that is the time he is working most. I'll never forget when I was teaching a Bible course several years ago. One of the students, an adult, asked for an appointment, came to see me, threw a letter down on the desk and said she was finished. She didn't like what she was reading. She didn't like what I was teaching. She said, if that's what the Bible has to say, I want no parts of it. I want out of the course. And I think she said, I want to leave the church. We talked for a little time. I'll let you know. I lost some sleep over that conversation. I had a hard time recognizing God in that kind of a situation. But I want to tell you, within a month, that woman had one of the most violent conversion experiences. I've ever heard of in my life and she was born anew when you think God is not working that is oftentimes when he's working the most when you do not see him remember he said I am with you always even when you do not recognize me. That's one of the living words of our resurrected Lord. And there's a second that he gave on that first Easter. It is namely this. I do not give up on you even though you give up on me. I do not give up on you, says God, even though you may give up on me. We're told that when the women came to the tomb on that first Easter day. The stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty and the message came to them. Whom do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. He is not here. He is arisen. And then these important words. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Why Peter? Why was he personally signaled out as one to receive the special notice? Wonderful, likable, lovable, like you and me, Peter. You know, when I get to heaven, one of the first people I want to meet after Jesus Christ and my loved ones is Peter. I owe that man an awful lot. About half the sermons that I've preached have been based upon his humanness. He and I identify. And I think you do too because he's so much like us. And I know I'm going to like Peter. Big old lovable, likable, a little bit stupid, stubborn Peter. But I want to tell you, 
There was absolutely no one on that Easter morn who was more downcast, more downhearted, more down on himself, more discouraged, more disappointed in himself and disgusted with himself than was Peter. You know why? Thursday night, up there in the upper room, Jesus said, you're all going to scatter like shepherds without a sheep. Peter said, not me, Lord. These other people may forsake you, but not me, Lord. And I think our Lord, probably with a little smile on his face, as much as the seriousness of the moment would allow, he's, he said, Peter, Peter, I'll tell you before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. No, sir, Lord. <laughs> but sure enough, before the cock crew, the next morning, I got it right this time. I missed it the first service. <laughs> Lo and behold, Peter was cursing. Peter was lying. Peter was denying that he ever knew Jesus. And big old strong Peter, who our Lord nicknamed the Rock, because one little teenage girl pointed an accusing finger and said, Are you not one of them? Our rock crumbled like flour. And disappointed God and himself. And that's why it was so low. And God, knowing all of us, knew how low Peter was. So he sent a special message. Tell Peter that even though he has given up believing in me, I've not given up in believing on him. And you know why Peter became the leader of the first church? Why Peter was able to preach a sermon, a part of which I read to you today? Why there is not a city in America or in the world that doesn't have at least one church called St. Peter's. Do you know why? Because Peter had the courage and the intestinal fortitude to believe that God does not give up on us even when we give up on him. That's why. Peter caught the Easter living words of the resurrected Lord. Some of us are here today feeling pretty dirty, pretty downcast and downhearted. We're down on ourselves. We're disappointed and disgusted with our stupidity and our lack of courage. We've stood in this church or some other church, repeated, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. With gusto we have stood and sing, I will follow you wherever you lead. Lead on, O King Eternal. Whatever you want me to do, dear Lord, whatever you want me to say. And then at home, the office, maybe even here in church, the political arena somewhere, has come an opportunity for us to say something, to do something. And we who have bragged so bravely, instead of calling upon God's blessing, we, we curse them. 
We lie just so we'll escape responsibility. And we disgrace ourselves by denying everything for which Jesus lived and died. And we're down. If you're down in the valley today, remember the living words of our resurrected Lord on Easter morn. I will never give up believing in you even though you've given up believing in me. Third set of words. I will empower you even when you are frightened of me. That night, there in the upper room, it was Easter night, the disciples were gathered together and, and the Bible says they were behind locked, closed doors for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said unto them, Peace, peace be unto you. And then the Bible says, He breathed on them, saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. Doesn't sound very sanitary, does it? It wasn't for purposes of cleanliness. It was for sanctification that Jesus did this. And He breathed on them, which in the Hebrew concrete language means He gave unto them His Holy Spirit. But notice their attitude. It came unto them when they were frightened. You see, contrary to what some of our charismatic brothers and sisters would have us to believe, to be a recipient and baptized by the Holy Spirit is not always a wonderful, glorious, happy, powerful experience. Sometimes it's a frightening thing. Tenth chapter of Hebrews tells us it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And it is. The thing that keeps driving me on, trying to preach the best of my ability, is standing before congregations like this, frightened to death, I cannot and will not do my best. That drives me to my knees and not only keeps the midnight oil going late until early morn, but it makes me dependent upon God's Holy Spirit. When God's Holy Spirit comes, it's not always a glorious thing, but many times it comes when we are in frightful fear. You read the second chapter of Acts again, the Pentecost experience, and look how often you come across words like fear, frightened, amazed, perplexed, cut to the heart. They wondered. And then you look there in the 42nd or 43rd verse of the second chapter of Acts, and you will read this, and I quote, The people said unto Peter when he had finished preaching the sermon, What shall we do? And he said, Repent, and be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. And three thousand souls were added that day to the fellowship of the disciples. And fear fell upon every soul. 
semicolon. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Do you get it? It is when we are frightened that God's Holy Spirit really has a chance. It is when we are frightened to death that God's Spirit has a chance to get through to us and to tell us about life. It is when we are frightened of ourselves and what we might do that God can tame us and control us and engulf us with his fire and power. It is when we are frightened that we are losing out here on earth and not living up to our potential that God's Holy Spirit gives us a new direction. It is when we are frightened that we are losing out in a relationship of love that God teaches us the meaning of agape love. It is when we are frightened that we are disappointing God, that God comes and gives us new power. That's the message that God wants those of us who are frightened to hear. And as I said to one of our members a little over a week ago when frightened to death, Hallelujah. Amen. It's one of the greatest moments of your life when you are so frightened that you turn unto God. That's when you begin to live. On that first Easter day, though, many, many people couldn't get Jesus, or Jesus couldn't get many people to see him or to hear him. And you know, though, churches are crowded today. People are all dressed up, singing at the top of their lungs. You know, there are still many people this Easter that Jesus cannot get to see him or to hear him. People who will waste the sights, and the sounds of Easter. I sure hope we're not a part of that wasteful group. Remember, even when you cannot see him, Jesus is here even when you cannot recognize him. He never gives up on you, even though you may have given up on him. And he empowers you when you are frightened of him. And when you hear those words and allow them to live in your hearts and permit them to motivate you into action, you come not on Easter Day just to celebrate something that happened 2,000 years ago. You come to find life, life, and to celebrate it today. When you come to that moment, ladies and gentlemen, then every day is Easter, and you are an Easter person. And the day of resurrection is every day. And when you find that, you know it's a great day in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Christ 
is alive. And when you follow his words, you are alive too. Happy Easter. Father, thank you for not wasting your time on us, but for giving us again the living words of our resurrected Lord. And now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be and abide with you on this Easter day and forevermore until the day of resurrection. Amen.